Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. It was about 12 o'clock when the sun stopped shining and darkness covered the whole country until 3 o'clock. And the curtain hanging in the temple was torn in two. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I place my spirit. He said this and died. The army officer saw what had happened and he praised God saying, Certainly he was a good man. When the people who had gathered there to watch the spectacle saw what happened, they all went back home beating their breasts. All those who knew Jesus personally, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood off at a distance to see these things. Lord, help us to understand what we read this morning. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit as it is in the King James translation. Some 30 years ago, there was a layman in this conference that took a good look at the Methodist church and decided that after a 25 year sleep not building any churches and starting any new churches, that it was time to start a new church. And so he began to do his promotional work. And it was an interesting thing because at that time was about the time I was coming into the ministry. And I knew this layman personally, later became a Methodist preacher. And all the problems and difficulties that he had to try to awaken this church of ours. He was blocked at every turn and some of our great preachers tried to block his effort to starting the new church. And there were those who made fun of him and those who denounced him and those who laughed at him. And so on and so on it went. But he remained faithful. Just a few years ago, they had a banquet for him for doing the job that he had done. And at that banquet, there were those who praised him. In fact, everybody praised him. You should have heard some of the great speeches that were made in his behalf. Because I suppose that man has been instrumental in building more Methodist churches than any other one human being that I know about. Oh, they praised him, and we had a meal, and all of the conversation was delightful and wonderful. And there were those of us who were there that knew him personally and knew that this covered and had nothing to say about the way he had suffered and the doubts that he had and the tears that he had shed and the sleepless nights that he had and trying to get this church to do what we needed to do. But that night it was different. As I look at the Lord Jesus Christ and I look at the cross and I see what is happening there. And as I take my place in the scheme of things at this hour, some 2,000 years later, and look back on the situation and listen to these words of the Lord Jesus Christ, they seem to be without pain. There's no suffering. Uh, there's no sorrow. There's no grieving. It seems to be such an easy thing for us to be able to say, Father, in your hands I commit my spirit. Does it come, come so easily? 
for us and we overlook and have forgotten about the awesome price that was paid for this. I was reading a little book here this past week by one of our great preachers in the past few years by the name of Andrew Blackwood. And he made a comment in that little book of his talking about the cross and what Jesus did. He said there have been many men after the Lord Jesus Christ have said the same thing that Jesus said, have remembered this, the words of Jesus and said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. They did that when they were dying. And he called to my attention again that there was one that Stephen the early, the first martyr, you remember, he commended himself, his spirit, to God. And then he called my attention to the fact that Thomas Beckett, the one in the 1107 or somewhere around there, uh, that was the high prelate of, of England. And you remember he was killed while having Vesper service. Four knights went into the, to the church, to the cathedral, and, and while he was having Vesper service, and one by the name of Tracy hit him across the head uh, with his lance and drew blood. And Beckett prepared himself to die. And those who killed him, one that killed him, said that in a very calm way, he said, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. I stood in England where uh, that man by the, we know him by the name of Ridley, where he was burned at the stake. And the last words that was on his lips was, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Blackwood tells us that he had this same experience. He said the doctors told him one day that he was dying. Wasn't any hope for him. He said he closed the day, closed his eyes, and the last thing that he was conscious of saying, saying, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he said the next morning when he woke up, he was surprised to find that he was still alive. And he got well and lived on for several years after that. And he said it was a very easy thing for him to say. He says a very easy thing for me to say as I was dying. As I thought I was dying, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Or I commit my spirit to the bottom translation. Translate that word. But he, found, he said I found it a very difficult thing while I was living to be able to live up to that commitment. And dear ones, I guess there's where the rub really comes. Let's take a look at the situation and see what was really taking place there and what it really has to say to us this morning where you and I are standing today. Because you see, without these words, filled with the pain and agony, grief and sorrow, a worn body and a weary spirit, if this had not happened, and if Jesus had not committed himself completely to God, there would be no Easter that we will celebrate next Sunday. But he did. And look what it says. Look what it says about Christ. These are words that come from a man that has something to say about him. Words of a man that knew what he was dying for. Jesus knew what he was dying for. Now he knew what he was living for. Now this is an interesting thing to me. Because these words are filled with conviction. And with power. And with dedication. And with commitment of the first order. You see the tragedy of our age is. That we go about this business of living. And we don't know what we're living for. How many of you really have it clearly spelled out. Within the citadel of your own soul. That I know precisely. What I am living for. And if I know you see what I am living for. I know immediately what I am dying for. Because today I am dying. And so are you. You see. Tell me what you're living for, and I will tell you what you're dying for. It's just as simple as that. And the question comes, are you living and dying for that which is worthwhile? Now, if you're not, it's a tragedy. 
It's a tragedy. Why drift in life? And yet look at us. Sometimes we never commit ourselves to anything. We just drift with the streams of life. Drifting back and forth like a piece of wood on the ocean. Carried with the tide. Whatever direction it might want to go. What are you really living for? These are words of a man that knew what he was living for. And in this instant, he knew what he was dying for. The words of a man that was dedicated. Dedicated. Yes, dedicated. Not making any type of bargaining with God. I couldn't help but think back this past week to old Jacob. You remember when he left home and went out into that wilderness the first night, tired, worn out, and there a rock for a pillow, that he had this wonderful vision of God. He saw the heavens open and he saw this ladder and the angels coming and going on and he knew that he was in the presence of God. And you remember he thought he could bargain with God. In fact, he did bargain with God and told God in effect that if you will bless me as I go on my way, I'll come back to this place and I'll worship you. And that's what God did and God accepted, accepted. But listen, I have a feeling that if the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross would have tried to bargain with God, there would have been no cross. There would have not been a resurrection. But you see, the commitment uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ made to God was complete and was total. Oh, it is so easy for us. As we remember this special day, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. It is so easy to be committed to Christ on Palm Sunday, you see, and what it stands for. Because everybody was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody was waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna in the high. Praising the one who comes in the name of God. And it was a great day. But what do you do when the sun goes down? And that same crowd begins to cry for his blood. What do you do when you sense that you stand alone on a situation that you think that is a principle involved in it that you have to stand? And no one else stands with you. And you sense the loneliness of the hour. And the loneliness of the moment. A commitment that carries us into a situation where we stand committed. Committed. Words of a man that's willing to be spent. Willing to pay the price that needs to be paid to see that what needs to be done is done. Jesus spent every drop of his blood and every ounce of his strength for the cause. And think of it. To do the will of his heavenly father. Think of this. Oh, what a cheap religion we have today. But notice what it costs Christ. To do the will of his heavenly father. It took every ounce of blood and strength that he had to carry out the will of God. What a cheap religion we peddle today where we say in effect to, to one another and to a person, well, if you join church, everything's going to be wonderful for you. Or if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is going to be wonderful for you. Or we say that if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, it would be better this, the better that, or better the other. Well, you might be. But let us not come to the place where we see this as something void of a cross. Let us always remember that our religion is basically comes from a cross. 
Jesus Christ was committed to God. And he suffered. You cannot look at a man, whether he or a woman, and tell by the way they're suffering or not suffering, whether they belong to God or not. My friend, the Bible that tells me this about the Lord Jesus Christ and tells me that it took every ounce of strength that he had, the storms of life swept across his, his soul and his body, and it took it all in order that he might be able to keep the will of God. And don't tell me that you will stand higher than your Savior. If God did not spare his Son, do you think you're going to be? Oh, you might be. Rejoice. But the fiercest storms that will ever sweep a human being can sweep across a Christian's life. The rain that falls will fall on the just and the unjust alike. I do not understand suffering. I know there's a mystery about it that's absolutely fantastic. I think if I understood it, uh, that I would become a shouting Methodist, you know. I almost am anyway. If I understood suffering, I don't understand, but I know that there's something glory connected with it. Two of the greatest things that I have came to me through suffering, though I do not understand it. That is when my mother gave birth to me and I have life. And the second thing, isn't it interesting to note that we speak of a second birth? Jesus Christ had to die upon a cross in order that I might be able to have rebirth or the second life. My friends, we start from a cross. That's why the cross means something. It means something to us because here was one dying, not for anything that he had done, he did it because it was in the will of God and Jesus said here upon the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I commit my spirit. Well, he was committed on Palm Sunday too, you know. We are too. I am not so much concerned about Palm Sunday as I am about the dark Friday that might come uh, to our life. You know, I tell you the truth, these little ones sometimes put us to shame as Christians. I heard a story here the other day from a man that uh, has a daughter and a little daughter. I think she was about 10 years of age at this time that this story takes place. And she wanted a horse. She wanted a horse. She kept plaguing her father. I want a horse. Just plagued her father. I want a horse. And so I had a friend down the road a piece about a mile or so away that had three or four horses. He said, now I thought the way I'd get rid of my daughter I tried to explain to her it takes a lot of work to keep a horse. You've just got to do a lot of work. So I said to my daughter, I said, now, yes, I'll get you a horse within one year if you'll make arrangements to go down to our neighbors down there and make arrangements every day you will come down and clean out the horse barn. And if you will do that, I will guarantee you within a year from now, I'll buy you a horse. Well, he thought that was always going to hear the situation. Well, he said, you know what that little thing did? Every day, while the other kids were out playing, she was down there scraping up the muck and mire out of that barn and storing it out there in a stack somewhere. Every day for a year. Committed. He said, I had to wind up by buying her a dumb horse. Well, think about that. Oh, if you and I, when we stop to check these hearts of ours, we know within the citadel of our heart the greatest thing that we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest thing we have. The greatest hope we have, the greatest assurance we have of anything is found within our hearts as we have in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is our commitment? Are we committed enough to, to think that this is the cause above every cause? 
that we're going to live for it's not going to be money, though I'm not opposed to making money. It's not going to be for health. It's not going to be for this. It's not going to be for that. Maybe for a part of all of these, but the main thing that stands within my life is my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and my dedication to serve Him for the cause that God has for me to serve. These are words of a man that was willing to be spent by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me quickly hurry on and say to you that these are words about a cause. These words have something to say about a cause. A cause worth living for and a cause worth to die for. Again, I think about the book of Judges, the 11th chapter and the 34th verse. There was a great military leader by the name of Jephthah. He had a great army and he was out fighting the enemy. And so it built up to one big major battle. And so Jephthah, he was so concerned about this battle that he went and prayed. And he said, Lord, and it reminds me, you know, of where we are. He said, Lord, if you will give me this battle, let me be, be, be victorious over my enemies. The first thing that I see when I get home, I will sacrifice to you. And so he went into the battle. Well, if you know that story, he had a great victory. Oh, he just slaughtered his enemy within a short period of time. And so he takes all of his loot and all of his slaves and all of the animals and everything and marches toward home. And lo and behold, when he gets inside of his house, he had an only child, a daughter. And she came out to meet him. The first thing he saw was his daughter. And then it hit him what he had done. And so he sacrificed his daughter. But you know the thing about that among other things, that, that amazes me, that this daughter was old enough when her father explained what he had done, that she agreed to die. Committed to her father. Committed. Committed. Oh, it is no wonder. Have you had this to happen to you, that there have been those places and those times where the cross has meant a little bit more to you than does a, that when you stand before it, that everything inside of you that is good stands at attention. It is no wonder that happens. Because the greatest thing that I know as I look at it upon that cross, Jesus Christ there, for a cause that he was willing to give his all for in order to satisfy his heavenly Father. Now let me tell you something about this God. Oh, the cross provokes all kinds of questions that I can't answer. And even if I could, don't have time to do it. Think about this though. Consider these words. Fall into thy hand, I commend my spirit. Notice what these words say about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know a little couple that has taken an extended tour. This has happened two or three times, but this is the latest time that I know of this happening. A little couple was going, I think, to England. And they was going to be over for about a month. She, he had to go over for some work. So they decided that uh, they would not take the children. They had two young children. And so she asked her neighbor, friend of theirs and drew up the papers that if anything happened to them that whatever money they had the insurance father they would take the total of whatever wealth they have in the children and raise the children as theirs now when you hear about this so you don't have to ask what this young couple thought about their neighbors do you know what they thought you just don't have to ask you you know it's, it's wonderful for a person to have that much that much respect and that much of whatever it is that is within us that we see good in another person. It just makes you feel good. 
But look what this says about Jesus' relation to God. You don't have to ask Jesus what he thought about God. Look what it says. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The best that I have, I give them to you. best that I have is in your hands to do with whatever you feel is necessary for it to be done with. All the joy, all the suffering, all the hurt, all the loneliness of Titus. And Father, in your hands, not in my hands, but in your hands. Do we have God in our hand, or does God have us in his hand? It'll say how you're going to live. And I'll tell you another thing it'll do. Not only does it bring you to a place where you see God as the greatest, but bring you to a place where, here's the only place that I know where you can have perfect peace. The only way you're going to find it upon the face of this earth, unless you go out of your mind, Jewel, the only place you're going to have it is right here where I'm talking right now. Look at really what happened. Look at really what it says. Look at this scene for what it's really worth. The only one there that day that had any peace and tranquility at all was the Lord Jesus Christ. Now isn't that interesting? And he was dying in a very painful way. But look at the record. Old Pop. He nearly went out of his tree. He got up and went out and got up and came back in and talked to Jesus, went and sat down and tried to wash his hands and free himself of the whole mess. He nearly went bananas, as they say, over the situation. He was so upset. And then I don't only think of, of him, I think about the crowd. As we read this morning, one place they cried the Hosanna in the house, the next place is crying for his blood, and the next place they went home. And the scripture says they were beating their chest. They knew they, they had done something wrong. They was in great distress, you see. They were on the verge of going bananas too, you see, the crowd. And then the disciples. Well, they didn't know what was going on, so we won't spend much time with them. And then, and then there was the old thief on the cross, and Jesus was conscious enough and was so much in command that he even forgave the thief that was dying with him there on the cross. And then here's this soul. Gambled a while at the foot of the cross, got up and gave him a drink of vinegar, and then sat back, back down and maybe gambled some more. And then when it was all over, Jesus said this. He jumped up and said, this is a good man. He too didn't know what was going on. And here Jesus says, these are words of a man that knows, knows that he knows that he knows that he is in the hand of a living God. And at that point, when you come to that hour, when you come to that point within your commitment and your dedication that you know, not because someone else has told you, not because even this scripture says so, but you know within the citadel of your heart that you are in the hand of a living God and you have placed yourself there and he's accepted you, you're going to find peace that you've never known before. And that's the way that it is. And no one can really say it for you. No one can say for you, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I commend my spirit. Only you. And you alone. You can say it. These are words that if you can say them and mean them that you can live by. There are words that you can pass. And they are words that you can feed your life and bring forth in peace in the midst of your soul, the rest of your days, upon the face of the earth. And to thy hand I commend my spirit. And so it is. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.